Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is The World in 10 on Wednesday the 23rd of November. I'm Bev Rimmer. And I'm Steve Holden. An attack at a supermarket in Virginia has left several dead. Through the course of the investigation, we believe it was a single shooter, and we believe that shooter is deceased at this time. And South Africa's president tries to have a laugh with King Charles during his state visit. Your Majesty, when it comes to sport, I think it is perhaps best that I steer clear away from the upcoming match uh, on Saturday. Late-night shoppers at a Walmart store in Virginia have witnessed a bloodbath. Police in the Chesapeake district say several people have been killed and others injured in a shooting. Leo Kosinski is from the Chesapeake Police Department. So we go inside and, long story short, over the course of the next 30-45 minutes, we were able to find multiple fatalities and multiple injured parties. Uh, With the Chesapeake Fire Department, we were able to put rescue and tactical teams together to go inside to... um, provide life-saving measures rapidly and quickly and then uh, through the course of the investigation we believe was a single shooter and we believe that shooter is deceased at this time. Mr Kosinski added that to the best of his knowledge no gunshots had been fired at police. The supermarket giant has given a statement saying it is shocked by what's happened and that it's working closely with the authorities as they investigate further. More now from Chesapeake Police. Basically it's an all hands on deck type situation at this point you know we have many of our investigators here and we just you know piece by piece you know we just just take a little bit of time you know we have we have plenty of time right now you know we're the store's closed so we're just we're gonna you know investigate until we get everything complete officials believe that the man who opened fire was a store manager who then turned the gun on himself People living in western Indonesia are struggling to cope following a deadly earthquake that killed at least 268 people. Hospitals are facing medical shortages, rescuers have been battling aftershocks and thousands of people lost their houses in the quake. It struck the highly populated West Java province on Monday with the town of Sianja worst affected. Many children died too as they were attending school at the time. City Malmun is a local teacher. We've never been taught how to handle an earthquake this big because with small earthquakes we can tell the children to come out but we've always made sure that since primary school students are taught by teachers to get out of class quickly if an earthquake happens and to find cover but this earthquake was huge and we couldn't do anything. 151 people are still missing and more than a 1,000 were injured after the quake. Another issue has been a lack of medical resources because they were also damaged. Asiyev is an emergency physician who's been treating some of the wounded and he says it's been a struggle. Yesterday about 70% died in this hospital. You can see this hospital is broken. The operating theatre we cannot uh, use. So we'll transfer the patient to Hasan Sadikin Bandung Hospital. 
A temporary relief station's been set up, but the coming days are going to be a struggle for the 58,000 people who've been forced to flee where they live. You're listening to The World in 10 from the Times of London, analysis and insights into the globe's main stories in just 10 minutes. As we reported on Tuesday, the King of the United Kingdom is hosting his first official state visit since he came to the Crown. King Charles III has welcomed President Cyril Ramaphosa to London with a lavish banquet. South Africa's leader had been booked to visit the Queen before her death in September. Mr Ramaphosa has left behind a gathering storm of ill feeling. He faces impeachment amid corruption allegations, while unemployment rises and an energy crisis darkens. Here's what he had to say at a speech during the banquet that was attended by other royals, dignitaries and the UK Prime Minister. We look forward to strengthening the ties between the British people and the people of South Africa through areas such as tourism, sports, arts and culture. Your Majesty, when it comes to sport, I think it is perhaps best that I steer clear away from the upcoming match Uh, on Saturday, and uh, even as we seated close to each other, it is best that you and I should steer clear of that and not talk (laughs) about it. World Cup joking aside, the state visit is aimed at strengthening trade and investment between the two nations, and King Charles rather hoped for some more focus on environmental issues as well. It is only by working together across our countries and our generations that we will tackle some of the greatest challenges of our times. For instance, our collaboration in science and innovation is literally vital in order to protect our people's health by preparing for future pandemics. Perhaps, above all, we must find and implement practical solutions to the twin existential threats of climate change and biodiversity loss. Spirits were high at the banquet in London, but the visit has not particularly gone down well in South Africa, where people believe their president has much to answer for. Jane Flanagan is the Africa correspondent for the Times of London and gave us the point of view from the Southern Hemisphere. South African news is very much dominated by domestic programmes. We've been used to President Ramaphosa travelling a lot. He's just been at the G20. He was at COP. He was most recently in the UK for the Queen's funeral. And in fact, he had to uh, cut short that visit and not go to the United Nations General Assembly to come back and look like he was dealing with these ongoing blackouts. So I think I think uh, there hasn't been the coverage. I do think it looks a bit peculiar, all the gold carriage and everything. It does, you know, for one guy, it's a lot of bells and whistles. And um, I think perhaps South Africans just see it as slightly irritating to see him uh, doing that when uh, everyone's dealing with such difficult problems at home. Former US President Donald Trump has suffered another blow in trying to keep his tax records private. The US Supreme Court, which leans conservative and has three judges on it who President Trump appointed, has cleared the release of his tax returns to a Democrat-appointed committee which is looking into them. He was the first president in 40 years to not release his records and his lawyers say the aim of the committee is to unearth politically damaging information about him. Speaking last week, Donald Trump wasn't happy. This horrendous abuse of power is the latest in a long series of witch hunts. It started a long time ago. All of this is about timing. Donald Trump has re-entered the presidential race for the White House, and it comes just a few weeks before the Republicans take back the House of Representatives, meaning things become trickier for the Democrats.
Brace yourself, there's been a shock at the World Cup. Here's John Jackson with more. Have we already seen the biggest shock in World Cup history in Qatar? Just three days into the controversial finals, one of the favourites to lift the trophy, Argentina, was stunned by Saudi Arabia, who were ranked 48 places below them. The 2-1 victory has been seen as such an impressive achievement that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman declared today a public holiday in the country, as fans were pictured celebrating in the street. The Argentinian side includes Lionel Messi, who at 35 is playing in his fifth and final World Cup, hoping to win the only major trophy to elude him in his illustrious career, not the way he'd have hoped to have started that quest. Other results on day three saw France begin their title defence with a 4-1 win against Australia, whilst Denmark versus Tunisia and Mexico versus Poland both ended goalless. It's already the world's largest live music event, but the Eurovision Song Contest has announced some major changes to its voting. From next year, people who live in countries that don't even compete in the show will be able to vote for their favourite act. It's going to be called a rest of the world vote and will be equivalent to the score of one participating country. So you'll hear something like, and the rest of the world's 12 points go to... Organisers say it's all about the evolution of the contest and opening up the vote globally is the next natural step. It's going to be held in Liverpool next year. Ukraine won this year and the United Kingdom will be hosting on their behalf. And finally, who doesn't love a mariachi band? Mexico's distinguishing musicians have been marching in earnest to honour the patron saint of music and musicians. Cecilia has her very own day on the 22nd of November, and to these mariachis, she means a lot. Mariachi Catalina saying here that she asked for health because more than 200 of her musical colleagues died during Covid. And she also asked St Cecilia to bless her with work because the pandemic impacted that too. The procession in Mexico City wove through the flower-lined streets, ending with a mass and a performance outside the Basilica de Guadalupe. And that is your World in 10 for Wednesday, the 23rd of November. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.